Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm happy to have you here with us today. Today, I have a special guest, and his name is Dr. Kerry Magro. Um, Kerry is an award-winning professional speaker and a best-selling author and autism consultant to the HBO series Mrs. Fletcher that aired last fall. He started professional speaking nine years ago via the National Speakers Association and has spoken at over 900 events during that time. In addition, Kerry is CEO and president of KFM Making a Difference a nonprofit organization that hosts inclusion events and has provided 68 scholarships for students with autism for college. In his spare time, he hosts a Facebook page called Carrie's Autism Journey that now has 205,000 Facebook followers, where he does on-camera interviews highlighting people impacted by a diagnosis to break down barriers in our community. His videos have been watched over 35 million times. So wow, 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 Carrie. I am so excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, no, I'm happy to be here. I, I've watched a few of your Facebook videos. Well, as many as I've been able to. As soon as I found that you, who you were and what you were doing, I started following a lot of what you do. And I just think it's really opening for people um, who are diagnosed on the autism spectrum and for those who love people who are diagnosed on the autism spectrum I think it's a beautiful thing what you're doing so thank you well I appreciate it you know I I often say it takes a village and uh there's so many families who I've kind of just recognized want to hear more from those people who have those first person perspectives of growing up uh, on the autism spectrum. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to have the platform that I have and I've been doing it for quite a bit now. So uh, yes. just really happy about it all. I, I love it. And yes, you have been doing it for a while. Now, I, that leads me to the first question I want to ask you, which is, I want to talk about your nonprofit. But first, I want to talk about a little bit about you and how you came into doing what you're doing, which is plentiful but how you got where you are from where you began. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing uh, for me was I grew up having extreme key interests due to my autism. And uh, I grew up wanting to be the next Larry Bird uh, <laughs> because I, I love basketball, but I also wanted to grow up to be the sixth member of the Backstreet Boys because uh, <laughs> I love theater. So yes. I, I stuck to both of those key interests, got really, really involved with uh, just theater to help with my social abilities and then basketball to help me with a lot of my fine motor challenges. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it, it definitely helped pave a way to just finding a career path for me now as an adult. I come from a background where I I had an undergraduate degree in business, uh, but it made me want to change career paths. Uh, mm-hmm. once I got my master's because I realized that there was not a lot being done for individuals with disabilities such as myself. Yes. So I decided that I would pursue a career in public speaking and I've been doing that uh, for the past 10 years while uh, getting my master's in strategic communications and then uh, most recently my doctorate in educational technology leadership. So not mm-hmm. only can I speak, but I can also go out there and hopefully one day teach at the college level. 
Oh, I love that. You're needed. What you're doing is very needed. So I'm glad you're here. But you, you've started this nonprofit, and this is kind of how I found you, was through the nonprofit that you created. Will you tell us a little bit about your nonprofit? Sure, yeah. So my nonprofit actually started about the same time I knew I, I wanted to pursue my master's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of in the in the route where I didn't receive a lot of scholarship. Horrible at test taking. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like so many times tests aren't really guided for people with disabilities. A lot of I people do. with disabilities have challenges in that realm. Mm-hmm. So I started reading about 501c3s and mm-hmm. I really was I, I was like a 20-year-old guy just thinking like oh I'm gonna start my own nonprofit not really knowing what I was getting myself into but uh, <laughs> within a year I filed all my paperwork and then about 18 months after that got my 501c3 status started a scholarship program and then mm-hmm. later down the line started hosting sensory events uh, receiving donations from people around the country, which I'm so grateful for, and then starting the video series, uh, Special Community. And uh, it's just been a, a dream come true to work on all that while I, I still have my full-time job uh, public speaking today. I'm so glad that it's a dream come true to you because for those of us who are part of um, your following, <laughs> it's kind of a dream come true also because we have somewhere to go. I love your live um, Facebook videos that you do. Um, we get to listen and hear and learn from those that you're doing interviews with. And we also get to be a part of this nonprofit that you've created that I think is such a beautiful thing. So one of the things that I specifically wanted to talk to Carrie about today I have had many different clients talk to me about self-harm and it's one of those topics. We're just going to dive right in because there's no real easy way to break the ice on that other than to say that self-harm, particularly within the autism community, it exists. And I think that we need to have more awareness and we need to understand it's not just our child. And if we are on the autism spectrum, it's not just us. And so I think I follow Carrie and he made a post and on self-harm. And um, in that post, he said that it wasn't too long ago that he made this post, but he said that oftentimes children and adults that are diagnosed with ASD, they struggle with self-harm. And he mentioned that autism professionals tend to leave this subject untouched. So, Carrie, can you give us some examples of what self-harm looks like? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, self-harm could be in many different areas. And we often Mm -hmm. say that autism is a spectrum. So, in this case of self-harm, it's going to look a little bit different for every single uh, individual who is having these self harming behaviors. I mean, some of it can be sensory based, uh, where there might just be a lot of sensory stimuli, either hypersensitive or Mm -hmm. low sensitivity, where they're just trying to come back to a place of normalcy. And one of the things they do, especially if they're not really able to communicate with others about their sensory sensations is they, Mm -hmm. they, they try to do it via themselves. And that's where some 
self-harm kind of falls into when there are mm -hmm. individuals in our community who are having the meltdowns, who are dealing with these challenges with overload. And then sometimes it's also, we have to have a larger conversation about anxiety, depression. Uh, yes. Those with autism are more likely than their non-disabled peers to have co-occurring conditions that might have mm -hmm stuff going on with anxiety and depression that may lead to self-harm as well. So it is a very, very wide spectrum, but yeah. I often say that there is a part of the autism community that you rarely ever, ever hear about. You, you hear mm -hmm. a lot about the Rain Man's of the world, the Temple Grants yes. of the world, but I feel like sometimes there's a community of those with high support needs that kind of fall through the cracks. And that's where a lot of individuals who self-harm kind of fall in there. I agree. And I think it's really critical because, first of all, as a parent raising two children who have been diagnosed on the autism spectrum, we we have experienced some of those self-harm behaviors over the years. And it's scary as a parent because we don't always know what to do. And we don't want our child to be injured. And sometimes these behaviors are repetitive and they continue to occur. And so I'm wondering if you could walk us through some, some different tips and ideas and things that you think we could do that are actually helpful for our children, those of us raising children on the autism spectrum that struggle with self-harm. Absolutely. So the main thing that I tell all families that I consult with, because I also do consulting work for parents mm -hmm. uh, who have children with autism, is you want to find the trigger. I see that most of the time, especially with younger children, it's mm -hmm. really focused on those sensory challenges versus the anxiety, depression, et cetera, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So really one of the biggest things that I could say is you really have to establish a rapport, meet your child where they are in their development, and mm -hmm. figure out what those triggers are that are leading to self-harm. Is it mm -hmm. a loud noise? Is it bright lights? Is it a certain feel or touch? Is it a textural thing? Does mm -hmm. it have something to do with that child's diet? Does it have to do with any gastrointestinal issues? I mean, there's a very, very long list, but the main yes. and most important thing I tell the families is find that trigger and also have a open and honest conversation if your child has an occupational therapist about that as well to see if there might be something that your OT is seeing that you're not seeing with mm -hmm. your child. So that's one of the most important things. And then the, the second thing really is to, especially if it's on the anxiety and depression end, is to make sure that you are also looking at innovative therapies such as cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, Again, it is a spectrum and no one size fits all when it comes to a therapy for a specific person on the spectrum. But mm -hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, I, my parents used uh, some of the practices as part of that therapy to help me with some of my self-harm behaviors. Mm -hmm. And basically what cognitive behavioral therapy does is it, you look at somebody having a negative situation 
and you try to get them into the place of thought where they could have positive thoughts coming into their head. So those are two of the big things I would say right off the bat. Well, I love that you shared that. You know, it's, I'm glad that you brought up cognitive behavioral therapy because we did, my oldest daughter, she did do cognitive behavioral therapy. I'll have to, I, I do have to say for her, because it is working on somewhat changing your mindset, that was really work for her. And I thought that was good. There are some things that our children do that we have our children do that you kind of watch and say, wow, oh, is that good? But I feel like this was stretching her in a good way. And because of that, I actually ordered a, a workbook and it's called the Cognitive Behavioral Workbook for Anxiety. And so for those that are listening, it was written by William J. Noss, but it's K-N-A-U-S. And so there are, like, you can order, if you're looking into cognitive behavioral therapy, like what we're talking about now, um, maybe take a look at ordering a workbook first and looking through it and saying, you know what, this looks like it could really be advantageous for my child or potentially helpful. So I'm glad you brought that up. I always like to give a resource people can jump to and order and have in their hands (laughs) if they can. No, absolutely. And what I would also recommend in terms of resources is Mm -hmm. uh, there's uh, a a woman named Carol Kranowitz. She -hmm. wrote a book that I contributed uh, a few pages to called The Out-of-Sync Child Grows Up. Yes, Uh, I've read that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great read uh, because it, it it also includes the perspectives of many individuals with uh, autism and sensory processing disorders. So it's a good read for anyone who who might have uh, interest in, in learning more about this subject. Okay, well now that I know that you contributed a few pages in there, I'm going to go back and look for you. <laughs> I didn't know you were in there. That's so fun. So. Thank you for sharing those resources. Do you feel like there's anything that we haven't touched on regarding self-harm that would be important for parents to think about? Well, I mean, the most important thing is to realize the prevalence of it. I, I in the post that we were that you were referencing earlier, I, I believe one of the things that I, I also mentioned in there is that uh, some studies have indicated that uh, around 50% of autistic people will face self-harm at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really important we build up our awareness of it, that we're mm-hmm. looking for it, uh, but we're also making sure that people understand it's not only in children, but it's it, it can be in adults as well. Absolutely. I'm so grateful that you have taken the time to participate in this podcast with me. I know this will be eye-opening for parents and somewhat comforting that even though it seems odd to say there's comfort in learning about self-harm, but I feel very strongly in that old adage that knowledge is power. And I think it can lead you to help and guidance that you need for your child or for yourself. So I appreciate you coming on here with me. But I wanted to ask you as a parting question, how can you be reached? How can people reach you? Sure. So uh, people can reach me by going to my website at carrymagro.com. 
uh, on there. You can learn a little bit more about how you can book me for speaking engagements, uh, a potential consultation, but also you can check out my books on there, Defining Autism from the Heart, Autism and Falling in Love, and then my children's book, I Will Light Up Blue. All that information is on my website. And then also follow me on social media. I'm on uh, Facebook at uh, Carrie Magaro, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and also I have a YouTube page where I host all my self-advocate videos as well at Carrie's Autism Journey. This is perfect. And I've learned a little bit more about what I can tap into just from you sharing that. So thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate you. And I'm sure you'll be getting lots of clicks.